So somehow or another, you have been woken up to the truth, whether it was by a friend, whether it was by a family member, whether it was from a street corner, YouTube channel, whatever it may be, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh, has revealed to you that you are now an Israelite, that you've always been an Israelite. You've always been a chosen seed of Jacob, a descendant of the original tribes of Israel. And the overarching question is always, now what? What does that mean and why does that matter? Let's get into it. Shalom, shalom, Mishpacha. Hello, family, to the 12 tribes of Israel scattered to the four corners of the earth. This is for you. Thank you for uh, tuning in to another episode, <clears throat> excuse me, of Jacob's Seed Podcast. I am your host, Yemayahu Ben Yisrael, and I'm glad to be with you again. I'm glad you decided to uh, tune in. You could be doing anything else, but you decided to come listen to Jacob Seed's podcast, and I do not take that for granted. Uh, before we get started, uh, number one, I want you to share this with um, everybody that you know. So share it on Twitter, share it on Facebook, um, whatever social media platform that you are on. Um, also know that I am uh, streaming this on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcast, on Google Play Music, on Stitcher Radio, um, and soon to be on Spotify soon. But those previous ones, um, if you have those platforms, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, you can share it from those platforms. Also, before we get into this, um, I want to uh, kind of shout out some people um, in the movement, in the awakening, that is doing some awesome things for our people um, to help awaken our people. There's a bunch of people doing some awesome things, but specifically, I want to shout out uh, Ronald Dalton Jr. Um, he has a series of books called Hebrew, uh, Hebrews to Negroes. Um, and not only are they are those books, he is turning those books into movies, into documentaries, uh, proving without a shadow of a doubt, using scientific methods, using uh, migration analysis, using DNA, using um, linguistic analysis to prove that we um, are the chosen seed of Jacob without a shadow of a doubt. Also, um, the Watchmen, uh, Watchmen Yah and Deborah Yah. Uh, they're on YouTube. They have a whole series called Whited Out, um, an awesome documentary series just about how um, the images, um, the names and all these things have been uh, taken out of the history books and um, imposters have come in and assumed our identity. Um, and they also prove without a shadow of a doubt that we are the people, um, as well as looking at some of the uh, fallacies of the other religions that claim uh, to have the birthright, whether physically or spiritually. Uh, you can check them out on YouTube. You can buy Ronald Dalton's movies right now, actually, on uh, Amazon, uh, as well as on Vimeo. And I believe you can go to um, the uh, the Hebrews to Negroes. Just type in Hebrews to Neg he Hebrews, excuse me, Hebrews to Negroes um, in your uh, search engine. And his website should pop up because I uh, just off my head, I don't remember what that website is, but you can also buy the DVDs there on his website. So let's get into this. I am an Israelite. Now what? I am an Israelite. Now what? That is the question that if you're like me, that you've that you have uh, when you very first come into the truth. Um, so a little bit about myself. I came into the truth. Um, uh, a decade really after even hearing the truth. So I had a cousin and she uh, came to my grandma's house. It was all at my grandma's house. And um, to make a long story short, she said, hey man, do you guys know that we are the chosen seed of Israel, that we are the descendants of Jacob, that we are descendants of the promise, like physically, not the spiritual stuff, but we are really the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, and at that time I was really indoctrinated into 
um, the Christian religion. Um, I was a youth pastor slash assistant pastor um, at the small church um, in Arlington, Tennessee. Um, I had just uh, finished being a youth pastor at another uh, small church, a medium-sized church um, in southern Illinois, my hometown. Um, and I kind of, I got angry and I went off. I was like, how are you going to, how are you going to disrespect them people over there? I'm um, in Israel and, um, you know, we're Gentiles and all this other stuff. And, you know, I was pleading my case and anger. Um, and I don't know why, um, and you guys may have experienced that in trying to witness now to your friends and family uh, that we get so angry when we hear the truth about ourselves, but the truth about ourselves is actually something good that we are the children of the Most High. So why would we be angry? Why would we choose to be a Gentile? Um, now looking back at that, I know that was foolish. Um, and thankfully, the Most High had grace on me to allow me to live a whole decade um, in order to actually receive the truth from that same cousin, uh, by the way. Um, and thank the Most High that she, um, and also and now her husband, did not uh, throw me away, but continued to uh, pursue their family members and uh, wanting, no, wanting their family members to know the truth. But now you know the truth. So what do you do with it? I have about six things that I want to touch on. Hopefully we can get through the whole thing in this one episode. Uh, this might have to be like a part one, part two kind of deal. I don't know. We'll see. Or it's going to be a long podcast and hopefully you guys listen to the whole thing. Um, so let's just get into it. I am an Israelite now what? So these these first two things I'm about to talk about are really important. I think they are in order. Um, the other four things, um, I guess you could do them in kind of what any order uh, that you see fit, but they're all important. But these first two are of most importance. Number one, when you realize that you're an Israelite, when you realize and you've come into the truth, the very first thing that you have to do is to repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And uh, contrary to popular belief, especially in Christianity, repent doesn't mean, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. And you keep living your life. Literally, if you look up that word repent, it literally means to turn, to make an about face and walk in the opposite direction. We hear so many verses, whether it's Paul or whether it's Peter, or whether it's John, uh, talking about the life that you used to live, uh, the things that you used to do, whether it was malice or um, slander or fornication or lying or homosexuality or whatever it may be. We know some of those scriptures just from Christianity. Um, if you come from the Christian background, if not, you may not know those scriptures. Uh, but whatever religious background you come from, and now you know the truth, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, whatever it may be, you're now in the truth. What means we have to turn from those ways, or whether you were in nothingness, you were atheist, you were agnostic, you were nominal, um, you didn't believe in anything, turn from whatever that is. And now we serve the Most High. We keep His laws, statutes, commandments, and we hold to the testimony of his son, Yahusha. Um, I want to give you some scriptures. I don't want to just leave you out there and say, hey, you know, do these things because Yahu uh, said do these things. No, these are all, these are all scripturally based. Um, and everything that we do in this life, we want to make sure it's saturated in scripture, all backed up with scripture um, and not uh, in a way to try to prove our point, but we're just reading scripture and letting the, and letting the scriptures speak for themselves. So the first scripture I want to take you to is Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 26, Leviticus chapter 26. We're going to be looking at verses 40 through 46. So this is um, pretty much after uh, Moses has, has told the people of Israel, the children of Israel, listen, if you do these things, you'll be blessed. If you do these things, um, you'll be cursed. But even in even if you don't hearken to the word of the Most High, um, here's some instructions on how to get back on the right path. And he explains those instructions in Leviticus 26, um, chapters 40 through 46. And I'll be reading from the King James Version um, of the Bible. And it reads, If thy shall confess thy iniquity, 
and the iniquity of their fathers, which their trespasses, which they trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary unto me, and that I also have walked contrary unto them, and have brought them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, and they then accept of the punishment of their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and also my covenant with Isaac, also my covenant with Abraham, will I remember, and I will remember the land. The land also shall be left of them, and shall enjoy her Sabbaths, while she lieth desolate without them. And they shall accept of their punishment of their iniquity, because even because they despise my judgment, and because their soul abhorred my statues. And yet, for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, neither will I abhor them, to destroy them utterly, and to break my covenant with them. For I am Yahuwah their Elohim. But I will, for their sake, remember the covenant of their ancestors, whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt, in the sight of the heathen, that I might be their Elohim. I am Yahuwah. These are the statutes and the judgments and the laws which Yahuwah made between him and the children of Israel in Mount Sinai by the hand of Moses. Now, obviously, a disclaimer where the Bible says, Lord, I use the name of our Elohim, Yahuwah, where the Bible says, God, I use the word um, Elohim. But uh, as we look at Leviticus uh, chapter 40, uh, chapter 26, 40 through 46, there is a lot in there um, that I don't have time in this podcast to explain. Maybe I'll do a teaching on uh, repentance. But number one, we have to look at it, it says, if they confess their iniquity, we have to confess our sins. We have to confess our iniquity. We have to confess that we have transgressed the law, that we have not walked in the ways of our Elohim. We have to confess that. But check this out. Not only do we confess our iniquity, but we have to confess the iniquity of our fathers because our fathers also, our ancestors, what it means, did not walk contrary to the law, statutes and commandments and precepts that was given to us on Mount Sinai nor do they hold to the testimony of Yeshua, because if they did, we would not be in the circumstances in which we are today. Watch this. And it says, it says, the land also shall be left of them and shall enjoy her Sabbaths while she lieth desolate without them. So that's a prophecy. We even know that even here in Leviticus, before we even got to doing and walking and, and, and uh, uh, tearing down walls of Jericho and all this, the Most High knew that we would sin and that we would be driven out of our land. Because it says right here in, in verse 43 that our land would lie desolate without us. And it says they shall accept the punishment of their iniquity. Now, what does that mean? So we've confessed our iniquity. We confess the iniquity of our fathers. Now we have to accept the punishment, which means that as we pray to the Most High, that we let him know that we're not angry at him. We let him know that we are the ones who have sinned and we are the ones who have walked away from him. Now, our desire is to turn back and do like David said in Psalms 51, that, we, that he give us a willing spirit. And he also said in Psalm 51 that we have sinned against the Most High and the Most High only so that he is righteous in his judgment. We have to understand that his judgment was righteous. It wasn't a wrong thing. We made a covenant. Our ancestors made a covenant with the Most High on Mount Sinai and broke that covenant. And because they broke that covenant, now we're in the state that we are in now. We're not going to blame the white man. We're not going to blame society. We're not going to blame these systems. Um, now, we do know that, that we are in a land of our oppression um, and that there are some things that, that, that are made up to make us fail. Uh, systematic racism, um, oppression, uh, the, just, this justice system here in the United States of America is not built for the so-called African-American or people of color uh, to succeed in it. But yet in all of that, we are here because of our iniquities because of our propensities 
to go against the laws of the Most High. We have to acknowledge that and acknowledge that of our ancestors and accept the punishment. Most High, this punishment is right. It is just because you are a right and just Elohim. And we know that if we read through the, through the, through the Tanakh, which is the Old Testament, uh, which we call the Old Testament, he is an Elohim who, who seeks to balance the scales, which is why over and over and over you hear scriptures about, well, if, if this person did this, this is going to happen to them. If that person did this, this is going to happen to them. If you, if you, uh, if you, were, uh, if you, if you put somebody in slavery, slavery, you will be in slavery. If you were an oppressor, you will be oppressed. If you have taken, it will be taken from you and all these things. Um, but even on the good side, you know, if, if you, if we have the whole list and sometimes um, in this walk we can get caught up in these, these curses, right? Because that's become our identity. But we forget about there's a whole blessing side that if you repent and follow the Most High, um, that you will receive. Now, we cannot escape um, captivity. Yahusha, our salvation, will come back for us one day and free us from the land of our captivities in all four corners. Right now, our jobs are to repent. Let's turn over to Daniel. Daniel chapter uh, 9. Daniel chapter 9. And looking at Daniel, this is actually a great model of prayer here. Uh, Daniel chapter 9, starting at verse 4. Uh, verse 4 said, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's through verse four, uh, first 4 through 20. It says, And I prayed unto Yahuwah my Elohim, and I made confession, and said, O Yahuwah, the great and dreadful Elohim, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him, and to them that keep his commandments. We, now hear that, hear that language, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake unto the name of our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. It says, O Yahuwah, righteousness belongs unto thee, but unto us confession of face, which means shame. As this day to the men of Judah and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all of Israel that are near and that are far off through all the countries, whether thou hast driven them because of their because because of their trespasses that they have trespassed against thee. O Yahuwah, to us belongs confession of faith to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. You see how you see how Daniel confesses his iniquity and the iniquity of all the people, his ancestors. Right. And then if you skip all the way down um, to verse 20. Um, so this 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 is his praise talking about how they sinned and what exactly what they did and and, and what the most high is going to do and um, how he's even the posture that he even has coming to the most high. But in verse 20, it says, as I was speaking and praying and confessing my sins and the sins of my people, Israel and presenting my supplication. So even in prayer, that is a great model of prayer. We just don't we just don't come to the Most High like he's Santa Claus, right? Um, especially when you're new to this thing and now you know you're Israelite. We have to come to him in a, a posture of repentance and of humbleness. So Daniel says he so Daniel says he prays like this. He, he acknowledges his sin. He acknowledges the sins of his people. And then he goes into a supplication. He goes into the things that he needs, the things that he wants. And then if you read the Tanakh, the, which is the Old Testament, uh, we understand that in the prayers, the prayers were never me-centered, right? It was always prayers for the whole nation, the nation as a whole. Um, let me get into this. So uh, let's go to Mark. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. And this is Yahushua uh, speaking and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. I mean, then as we uh, I think I'm probably probably going to do a, a podcast on exactly what the gospel is. Um, but we know that he came for the lost tribe of Israel because they had scattered. And the good news to them, which is the gospel, is that the savior uh, Yah salvation has come. They can now be remarried um, to the Most High. We're going to get into that in a, a later podcast. Um, trying to speed this up because I don't want this to be a, a super, super duper long 
uh, podcast. We have a lot to get into. Moving on to Deuteronomy chapter four. I know I'm moving quickly. Um, so if you have a pen and pad or something, um, you can write these things down. Um, and obviously you can always rewind this and um, get some of these verses as well, because they are all rich, um, especially talking about repentance. Deuteronomy chapter four, verses 30 and 31. When thou art in tribulation, ain't that where we are right now? And all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, the last days, if thou turn unto Yahuwah thy Elohim and shalt be obedient unto his voice. For Yahuwah thy Elohim is merciful, a merciful Elohim. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swore unto them. If we repent and turn, even in the latter days, which we're in now, the Most High said that he would not forget the covenant which he, which he struck with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob concerning us. Isn't that amazing? There's some more scriptures. Um, this one is very important. Proverbs 28, 9. Now, when I very first read this one, it threw me for a loop, right? I was shocked. Proverbs 28, 9 says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Let me read that again. He that turneth away his ear from the law, his hearing from the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. That means if you're not following the law, statutes, and commandments, the Most High, he hates your prayer. He's not hearing your prayer. So in order for your prayers to even be heard, we have to repent and return back to the covenant of our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in order for the Most High to even hear our prayers. So the question now becomes, in Christianity and Islam and Judaism and Buddhism and all the isms and lams and anities, when we prayed, who answered? If the most, most high is not answering, who answered? Because we can clearly see when we, myself, was in a Christian church, we'd pray for something. And then all the churches I've been to, they taught against the law. So pray for something and you might get it. Pray for a new home, a new car, health, wealth, prosperity, all these things that they teach in Christianity. And you saw people getting it. You saw people getting blessed with promotions and houses and cars and all these things. The question now becomes, if the Most High wasn't hearing the prayer, who exactly was answering the prayer? I'll let you chew on that and figure that one out. We might come back to that um, in a later episode. But here's the next question. Okay, we talked about repentance. We talked about turning around. We talked about um, uh, confessing our iniquities, the iniquities of our father, the iniquities of the people, accepting the punishment um, we know that the kingdom is at hand, so we need to repent. We see how Daniel, even in his daily prayers, that was like the model of his prayer. Like, I'm repenting every single day. I'm, I'm confessing my sins every single day, the sins of my fathers, every single day, the sins of the people. And then I'm going about of my confessions. We see in Deuteronomy, even in the, when, we get, when we're in our tribulation, in the last days, if we turn, he will remember the covenant with our forefathers. We even see in Proverbs 28, where it talks about how if you do not even uh, uh, hearken to the law or hear the law, if you turn away from it, your prayers are an abomination to the most high. So, what, what is the whole point of repentance? Why do I need to repent? Why? Why is it so important? You lived a perfect life, right? You've done everything right, right? You, you're a nice person. Uh, you never treated anybody wrong for the people who are listening that believe that. Um, let's go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. We need to repent because our sins are a transgression of the law. And for those who say the law is done away with, if the law is done away with, that means there is no sin. 
Where there is no law, there is no sin. A good example of that is if you're going down the street and the speed limit is 65 and now you're going 85. The police officers are in their right, lawful right, to pull you over and to give you a ticket because there is a law that you have to follow that says you go 65 miles per hour. You have now transgressed that law by going 85 miles per hour. But if there is no speed limit signs, if there is no speed limit on that highway, you can go 105 miles per hour, zoom past a state trooper, and they cannot pull you over because where there is no law, there's nothing to transgress. But we know that the law is not done away with. And we know that sin is actually the transgression of the law. So when you're sinning, you're transgressing the law. Thus, we need to repent. We need to completely turn and now walk in the fullness of the most high, most highest commandments. And most say, oh, that's impossible. You can't walk in the commandments. Nobody can keep all the commandments. And um, you're, you're, you're going to hear all these arguments. But let me tell you something. Let's go to Luke chapter one, verse six. Luke chapter one, verse six. Actually, let's start at verse five, right? Luke chapter one, verse five. It says, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abi, and his wife was the and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. These are the uh, the father and the mother of John the Baptist. And they were both righteous before Elohim, doing what? Walking in all the commandments and ordinances of Yahuwah blameless. So not only did they follow the law, they followed the ordinances. What are the ordinances? The feast days, the new moons, and the Sabbaths. They did not transgress those. They kept those blamelessly. Let's move to First uh, John 5, 2-3. I'm trying to get through these quickly. I'm sorry if I'm moving too fast. Uh, but I want you guys to get an understanding of... Now that you're in the truth, now that you're Israelite, now what do I do? And repentance is a big part of what you do when you very first come into the truth. Because if you come into the truth without repentance, it doesn't mean anything. You can know that you're an Israelite, you can know that you're a Hebrew, and still be cut off in the end. Let me say that again. You can know that you're an Israelite, a Hebrew Israelite, a Messianic Israelite, whatever you want to call yourself. You can have the knowledge of who you are ethnically and still be cut off from the kingdom in the end because you fail to repent. Knowing your ethnicity is not enough. You have to know who you are and accept and go back to the culture in which you came from. And that starts at repentance. It starts at repentance. First John chapter five. Verses two to three. But we know that we love the children of Elohim when we love Elohim and keep his commandments. For this is the love of Elohim, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Let's go to first Corinthians, I believe, seven, nineteen. First Corinthians. Seven, nineteen. This is Paul speaking. Very simple. Circumcision. They're, they're having this argument about circumcision, uncircumcision, all this stuff. He says circumcision is nothing. And uncircumcision is nothing. But what's the most important thing he says here? He says, but the, but the keeping of the commandments of Elohim. We can keep going. Let's go to... Um, let's go to... Revelations chapter 12. Revelations chapter 12, verse 17. Revelations 12, 17. And this, if you read the whole, whole chapter of verse, uh, whole chapter of Revelations 12, 
it's this it's this fight that's going on. It's like this war that's brewing between uh, it's in heaven, and then the beast comes down out of heaven and tries to uh, attack the woman and her seed. We know the woman and the seed is about Israel. Um, and then at the end of chapter 12, it says, this is who, now this is who the dragon, Hasatan, Satan, the enemy, this is who he's after. This is who he deems as a threat, right? It's not going to mention Christianity. It's not going to mention Judaism. It's not going to mention Islam, Buddhism, all this stuff. Here's all the people who he deems as a threat to what he's trying to accomplish. It says, and the dragon, Revelation 12, 17, and the dragon was wroth with the woman. He was angry and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. And what did her seed do? They kept the commandments of Elohim and have the testimony of Yeshua, the seed of Israel, the true seed of Israel. We know them because they keep the commandments of Elohim and have the testimony of Yahusha Hamashiach, which this world knows as Jesus the Christ. Let's go to Revelations 14, 12, a couple chapters over. Revelations chapter 14, verse 12. It says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that do what? Keep the commandments of Elohim and the faith of Yahusha. They keep the commandments of Elohim and the faith of Yahusha. Who are these people? These are the saints. The saints keep the commandments and they hold fast to the testimony of the son of Elohim. Let's go to Revelation 22, 14. Revelation 22, 14. It says, blessed are those that do his commandments. They that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Now, what gates are they talking about? They're talking about the 12 gates of the city. You know, the, the city has 12 gates because it represents the 12 tribes of Israel, the seed of Jacob. In order for you to enter into those gates, it says here in Revelation 14 that you have to keep the commandments. Now, some of the translation says, I believe, something about having a clean robe or something like that because uh, they're trying to change up some stuff. And even in that, if you go back to the precepts of a clean robe, it's somebody who keeps the commandments. Let's go to First Chronicles. Last one on this one. All the way back to the Tanakh, which is also called the Old Testament. First Chronicles chapter 16, verses 15 through 17. First Chronicles chapter 16, verses 15 through 17. It says, be mindful always of his covenant, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, even of the covenant which he made with Abraham and of his oath unto Isaac. And he hath confirmed the same to Jacob for a law to Israel for an everlasting covenant. What's the definition of everlasting? You say for everlasting, forever, perpetual, whatever word you want to use. But in the all in the same, it means forever, forever. It doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. Even I didn't even write this one down. But let's let's go to Matthew. Let's go to Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five. Let's go to verse seventeen. Let's go to verse 17 to prove this for everything. And this is Yahushua talking. He says, think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I didn't come to destroy the covenant or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So most people hear that word to fulfill to mean to abolish, to do away with. But that didn't even make sense. If, if we read it like that, it says, think that I've not come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to destroy. It doesn't make any sense. To fulfill is a Hebrew idiom, and you can go, uh, Google Hebrew idioms, um, and when you Google that, you'll understand. Once you start understanding some Hebrew idioms, they, they had slang, just like we have slang today. So when he was talking about to fulfill, we, use that, we have that same vernacular today. So if you go up somewhere and you say a speech and you do a horrible job, they're going to say, man, you butchered that speech. This is the same what he's talking about today. He's saying, I've not come to destroy, to butcher the law or the prophets. I've not come to butcher it, but to fulfill it. I've not come to teach it the wrong way. I've come to teach you the right way on how to do this. He says, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle 
shall in wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Has all been fulfilled? All the prophecies of the Bible, have they been fulfilled? Absolutely not. Till heaven and earth pass away, is heaven and earth still here? And they absolutely are. So the very first step of you understanding who you are, now you're an Israelite, now what? You have to understand that you have to repent and you have to walk in the commandments. Man, this is going to be long. We're already at 35 minutes. Okay, so um, second step, you got to get baptized. You have to get baptized, right? Get baptized and pray for the Holy Spirit. Now, some people um, in the awakening speak against baptism. They, don't, they no longer believe in water baptism. Um, you can do your own research on it. I am of, of the um, impression that the Most High... Um, wants us to be baptized just because that is just that's that's part of our culture. If you look up what a mikvah is, a mikvah, um, and Google that, you'll understand. Even even when people were getting proselytized, uh, converted um, in the Old and New Testament, um, the steps were number one, get water baptized by immersion. Number two, um, you go um, make a sacrifice, and if you were a man, you would get circumcised. Baptism, sacrifice circumcision. That was the order of things when you were to uh, convert into the covenant um, of the seed of Jacob. And that never changed. No one can prove in the Bible where that changed. They'll say, oh, well, um, Yahushua didn't, didn't baptize people, but he himself got baptized. His disciples got baptized. And then he instructed his disciples to baptize others. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of scriptures in that. There, there's... Um, so I'm just going to say the scriptures, and I want you to write them down. Um, 1 John 3.24. 1 John 3.24. John chapter 3, verse 22. John chapter 3, verse 22. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. John chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. John chapter 3. Verses five through six. Um, and now I'm about to bring out these. In, these in, uh, all these verses are important, uh, but because of time, I want to get to. Um, I want to bring out some things for you when it talks about uh, getting baptized in repentance. Uh, baptized obviously is a um, an outward expression of what's going on in the inside, and obviously even to repent and to live and to walk in the commandments, we cannot do that outside of the Holy Spirit. Um, we cannot do that outside of the Ruach HaKodesh. Uh, that is the spirit that, that, that the Hamashiach, uh, the Messiah, has given to us so that we can actually walk in the commandments, right? Um, we can't, it's, it's, it's impossible in our, in our flesh. Um, that's why David had to pray for a willing spirit. He said, don't take your spirit away from me because without this thing, I, can't, I cannot walk in your laws, statutes, commandments. I can't do this without the help of the spirit even david back then before the for the before the falling of the holy spirit unto all people unto all flesh he understood that he needed a willing spirit inside of him to even walk in the way that was pleasing to the most high but let's go to john chapter 4 real quick john chapter 4 verse 23 john 4:23 It says, but here, but the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. We've heard this, if you come out of the Christian church, you've heard this many and many and many of times. Oh, God, to get the worshipers who worship, you got to worship in spirit and truth, worship in spirit and truth, spirit and truth. But no one really explained what that was. So they hearkened a lot on the spirit side, right? You have to worship him in spirit. And some of us understand what that is. So some of us, uh, we have to walk in the spirit. We have to be, uh, we have the fruits of the spirit. Um, and those are in Galatians. And we, uh, we no longer, that's, that's like, a, that's like a, a, a posture of repentance. Like we've turned, from our, we've turned from our old ways, right? Now we walk no longer in the flesh and in the sin nature. But we, now we walk in the spirit of the Hamashiach, the spirit of the Messiah. We walk in him. Um, and we, we produce the fruits of the spirit, right? But they never touched on what the truth was. It says spirit and 
truth. So what's the precept for truth? Everything that's said in the quote-unquote New Testament has already been said in the Old Testament. So whatever that's in the New, I should be able to find in the Old. Let's go to Psalms. Psalms 119.42. The book of Psalms, chapter 119. Verse 42. I'm sorry. Verse 142. Psalms 119, verse 142. It reads, Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is truth. Thy law is truth. Thy law is truth. Let's move up to Psalms 111. Psalms 111, verse 151. I'm sorry. Um, stay in Psalms 119, verse 151. Psalms 119, verse 151. So we're going to move up a few verses. Move down a few verses. Psalms 119, Psalms 119, not Psalms 111. Psalms 119, verse 151. Thou art near, O Yahuwah, and thy commandments are truth. Thy commandments are truth. Let's go to Psalms 100 real quick. Almost done here. Psalms 100. Verse 5. For Yahuwah is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. So not only is his truth the law and the commandments, but it endureth through all generations. It goes nowhere. It doesn't end. It's not abolished. It's not done away with. Um, whatever other vernacular that you want to use to try to prove that, the scriptures say, it's, it's forever, for an everlasting generation. And last time I checked, everlasting, forever, all that stuff means everlasting and forever. <laughs> Let's go to Romans chapter 8 real quick, verse 26. Romans 8, 26. Romans 8, 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for, what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So when we walk in the Spirit, the Spirit itself even prays for us because we don't know what we ought to pray for. That's why it's so important to be baptized and pray for the Ruach HaKadosh. To be baptized and to pray for the Ruach HaKadosh. Let's go to John Chapter 14, verse 26. Uh, one more scripture after this. So John chapter 14, verse 26. It reads, and this is the, this is the importance of the, of the comforter, of the, of the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost. This is, what he, this is what he does for us. It says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the Ruach HaKadosh, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance Whatsoever I have said unto you. So the Ruach HaKadosh is important because it will teach us and it will remind us. The last thing on baptism and um, the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Um, and this verse is going to, to shut all the foolishness out about, oh, you shouldn't be water baptized and all this other stuff you definitely should be getting water baptized. Check this out. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, so the multitude, we know there's a multitude of people there. All these people are there. Uh, more than likely, it's, it's, it's a feast day. Uh, it's, the, it's, it's Pentecost. Um, Pentecost, when you read um, in, the, in the list of the feast days, Pentecost is one of the feast days. So all these multitude of people are there, not because they're just randomly there, but they, they have made Aliyah. They have come up from the nations, 
the seed of Jacob to Jerusalem so that they can, um, they can celebrate um, the, the feast of Pentecost at the temple there in Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter says to this multitude, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Yahushua HaMashiach, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Ruach HaKadosh. So baptism and the Holy Spirit work hand in hand with one another. Baptism and the Holy Spirit work hand in hand with one another. I'll say that one last time. Baptism and the Holy Spirit work hand in hand with one another. So I know we've gone through a whole lot. So now that you're Israelite, what do we do? What do we talked about? We've talked about repenting, talked about turning um, a different face. We're talking about how our prayers aren't even heard and they're actually abomination if we don't follow the law, statutes, and commandments. We talked about walking in the commandments and how to do that. Uh, we talked about getting baptized and praying for the Holy Spirit. Um, the next thing you ought to do when you find out that you're Israelite, you know, when, uh, when I got saved, uh, the first thing they told me to do was read the book of John. Go to the book of John and read the book of John. If you have a Bible in front of you or when you go home, wherever you're at, I want you to hold up a Bible. I want you to take your thumb and your index finger and put it right at the end of Malachi or um, Second, Second Chronicles, depending on what kind of Bible you got, right? So you hold everything from Genesis to Malachi or Genesis to Second Chronicles. You hold that. And now you hold everything from Matthew to Revelations. Notice the thickness between Genesis and Malachi or Genesis 2 Chronicles, depending on how your, your Bible is structured. Notice the thickness of that. Then notice how thin Matthew through Revelation is. If you don't understand the Old Testament, the so-called Old Testament, which is the Tanakh, if you don't understand that, look how thick it is. How are you going to understand the New Covenant, the New Testament, the Renewed Covenant, the Brit Hadashah. There's so much more in the old than that's in the new because the new is referencing the old. There's not much to say because most of these people, either they know it or it's a review or it's kind of like a, it's a midrash. It's a, it's a discussion about the scriptures. Paul even told uh, Timothy, the scriptures are holy used for reproving people and rebuking people and uplifting and encouraging people. If you go do a study of that word scriptures, he's not talking about the New Testament. He's talking about the Old Testament. We call it the Old Testament. So I would encourage you, now you found out that you're an Israelite, don't go start in the book of John. Don't do that to yourself. Start in the beginning. Read the Torah so you have an understanding of the law, statutes, and commandments and how to live them out in a righteous way. Start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And don't read over it quick because you think you know stuff. Read it slow. Get an understanding. Study it. Because now that you understand who the people are of the book, everything else will start to line up and start making a little bit more sense. I'm trying to rush through these other things. I'm not trying to rush, but um, I don't want to make this a part two. We're already at 48 minutes, so... I'm just going to go through four through six. So number one is repent. Number two is to get baptized and pray for the Holy Spirit. Number three is to dive into the Bible starting at the beginning. Starting at the beginning. And then even as you start studying other books, once you finish uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, once you even finish reading through all of that and you start studying other books of the Bible, continue yearly all the time to saturate yourself in the Torah the first five books of the Bible, the laws, statutes, commandments, our ancestors, what they did and how they lived that out. Saturate yourself in that each and every day, each and every day. So when you, when you get to the end of Deuteronomy, start back at Genesis chapter 1, even if you're studying other books. Now you're just reading it over and over and over. So that's going to just, it's all that stuff be hidden in your heart, right? So when you need it in a time where you don't have a Bible, you don't have a smartphone, um, that stuff will just be in you and it'll come up and it'll flow up as rivers of water through you. Number four, find yourself a righteous assembly. Now, I can't tell you what a righteous assembly is. Um, what I can tell you, though, is if they're teaching the law, statutes, and commandments, if they're righteous priests to the nations, this is not just a black thing. This is a right or wrong thing. 
If you read Isaiah 56, it, it tells you how the nations will be involved in the end times. Um, even the Gentiles are welcome. Read, read the Torah. Don't let anybody lie to you. Read it. If they're righteous priests to the nations, light to the world, salt to the earth, everybody. Now, we know that the oracles and the ordinances were not given to everybody. They were only given to the seed of Jacob. It's only through the seed of Jacob where other people can be taught about them. But if we are to be kings and priests, kings have to have subjects. Priests have to have someone to teach. <laughs> oh. Find yourself a righteous assembly, a righteous assembly. Um, if you're somewhere um, in a rural place, because it took me and my family a long time to find one, even in a large city, um, get on YouTube. Look up. Hebrew nation building. Hebrew nation building. They helped me and my wife in immensely. Um, look up um, the Ark, Moray Yoshiyahu. They've helped me and my wife immensely. Um, also look up uh, restoring the branches. Restoring the branches. They've also helped me and my wife out immensely. So if you don't have a place to go, you're in rural small America somewhere, or you're just in a city and you've seen some things or heard some things about certain um, assemblies or groups, and you're like, I want to steer from that. Um, rebirth, which is also called Hebrew Nation Building on YouTube. Restoring the Branches and the ark are great places to go to get some some teaching and some learning they all have teachings about the law they all teach how to walk this thing out they all have teachings about how to treat your neighbor they all have teaching about end times a, a lot of things that they teach about that will help especially some of that is new in this walk um they are righteous people i vouch for them um and they're good teachers they're really good teachers now if you come to, from a christian church or something that you've You've only listened to, you know, sermons for 20 or 30 minutes long. I will warn you now, um, no sermon, no matter what assembly or what camp that you decide you want to go to, no sermon is going to be, you know, 30 or 20, 20 or 30 minutes long. It's going to be a good hour and a half um, at the least long, but it's, it's rich and it's full of good information that we need to know. Um, number five. So number one, repent. Walk in the commandments. Number two, get baptized, pray for the Holy Spirit. Number three, dive into the Bible, starting at the beginning. Number four, find yourself a righteous assembly. Number five, don't make the same mistakes you made in your other walks, in your other religions. So if you didn't, if you didn't, if you didn't have a good prayer life, if you didn't read the scriptures, um, if you just uh, found yourself memorizing a script and sticking to that one script to prove all things, listen. Don't do that. If you found yourself um, just taking the word because somebody told you it was true and just running with that without doing any kind of research, uh, without doing any kind of scholarship, uh, without putting without putting what they said up against the truth and putting that stuff on trial. Please do not make those same mistakes in this walk, because I tell you, brothers and sisters, this ain't church. This ain't the mosque. This ain't the synagogue. This ain't uh, the shrine. This is the covenant, and we have to be able to prove all things and be righteous within one another and in the nations. We can't be lacking in our prayer life. We can't be lacking in our studying. Uh, we can't, although some people are genuine, we still can't take everybody's word for everything. In this walk, you have to be able to learn how to prove things and study things for yourself. Because you're going to be out on an island one day trying to witness and trying to bring this truth out to your family and your friends. And they're going to come hit you with all those Christianese or uh, Islam or Judaism or Buddhism scripts that they learned, that you learned while you were sitting in the mosque, in the synagogue, in the church, in the shrines with them. But if you become a nominal Hebrew Israelite like you were a nominal Christian or a nominal Jew or a a uh, nominal uh, Muslim or a nominal Hindu, it's not going to work for you. It's not going to work for you. And the last thing I would say to encourage you guys, I know this was long and I hope this was good. I hope you guys are getting blessed by this. But I would say do not argue. 
and I have to bring up these scriptures. Do not argue. That's going to that's be, because you're going to be so zealous. You are so zealous, and I hope that zeal stays with you forever. But I encourage you, my brother, my sister, my Ak, and my Akoti, we do not argue the scriptures. We prove them. There's no need to argue. Keep your voice monotone. Try your best to sub, uh, subdue your emotions to want to yell and to shout and get up and point and, and raise your fist. And it, because doing all of that, you're not winning anybody. It's just what it is, an argument. And you're both going to walk away mad. And you're both going to walk away convinced that the other is crazy. But if we're as wise, if we're, if we're as soft as a dove and as wise as a serpent, as the scriptures tell us to be, we can win over our brothers and sisters, and we can win over the nations for the Most High. Let's go to Philippians real quick, and then we're going to be done. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, starting at verse 14. Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 14. And it reads, Do all things without murmuring and disputings, that they may be blameless and harmless, the sons of Elohim, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Hamashiach, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Important part about this, it says, don't do anything in mummering or in disputes, that you may be blameless and harmless sons of Elohim, without rebuke, in the midst of the crooked and the perverse nations, amongst whom ye shine as lights in the world. If you want to shine in lights of the world, we can't be doing things mummering and doing things within, uh, uh, in a dispute, in an argumentative way. Let's go to Colossians real quick. Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 7, 7 through 9. In which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeking that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Listen, when we're trying to witness to people, we cannot be angry. We cannot be mad at them. We cannot wish them harm. We cannot be blasphemous. We cannot have a filthy communication that comes out of our mouth. We have to put off those old things. We have to put off those old things when we're witnessing to our brothers and sisters. Let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 to 24. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 through 24. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. I'll read that again. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of Yahuwah must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If Elohim, preadventure, will give them repentance to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Listen, brothers and sisters, foolish and unlearned questions, avoid those. If somebody starts asking you questions that you know they're trying to trip you up and trying to get you in a trap, it's best just to be silent. And also, you cannot teach in meekness and patience if you're arguing and yelling and screaming and jumping out of your chair and pointing Again, the only thing that will come of that is just that, an argument. And both of you will walk away thinking that the other is what? Crazy. Crazy. Very last scripture. We're going to call it a day or call it a night or call it a morning. Um, whatever time it is, wherever you at. <laughs> we'll go to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 9. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Only a fool gets angry. We don't try to argue the scriptures. We prove the scriptures. My brothers and sisters, I thank you for listening. I am an Israelite. Now what? Repent. Walk in the commandments. Get baptized. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Dive into the Bible starting at the beginning. Find a righteous assembly. Don't make don't make the same mistakes you made in your previous walk. 
and do not argue. My brothers and sisters, the 12 tribes scattered into all nations, this is for you. Uh, don't forget to share this um, on Facebook, on Instagram. You can find this streaming on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play Music, and on Stitcher Radio. Again, our aim is that we seek truth, live it out, and inform others. Thank you for listening, my brothers and my sisters. Shalom. Shimma, 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 Shimma,